So what we've done with visorpro.ai is we create a dealer vault. And the dealer vault is where the dealer, New Holland, Case, et cetera, Adco, they will load in their dealer manuals, plus their short line equipment manuals, plus their GPS manuals. They'll load in their technical manuals. Questions will come from the field and the uh, service people will put those questions into Visor Pro and we'll extract that answer out in as little as 15 seconds with uh, a full large language answer as to what the problem is. And we will reference the manual on the page number. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are guested by Robert Syke. He has four decades in agriculture, collaborating with global leaders from Nigeria's Minister of Agriculture to Bill Gates. As the author of Food 5.0, How We Feed the Future, and founder of AgVisor Pro, he's recognized as an industry leader and futurist. His com contributions extend from media productions with No Ideas Media to pioneering scholarships for budding agriculturists. Rob, it's excited. I'm excited to have you on the show. That's great to be here talking about farming and entrepreneurialism, Casey. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Stoked to have you here. You have, as we said, four decades in the industry. You've written books. You've done TEDx talks. You are in um, tech. What do farmers or what should farmers be excited about right now? Well, I think that, you know, what intrinsically makes farmers interesting is that at their heart, they're entrepreneurs. And what I mean by that is in the in the in the truest sense. I mean, they put the risk out there. Um, but also being an entrepreneur gives you a certain amount of freedom. And when people say to me, why do you do that? Why do you build a company? Why do you write a book? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? And as an entrepreneur, I don't have to justify my answer. I just have to say I want to. It's just something that I want to do. So if a farmer wants to expand his operation or her operation, or they want to vertically integrate, or they want to do something, you know, the, the community will by and large want them to justify why are they doing that? And at the end of the day, as an entrepreneur, it's nobody else's business other than I want to. And, you know, most of the farms that I work with that are uh, what I call, and I wrote about in the book that are, you know, farms of consequence, they, they grow 80% of the produce. Um, they're not in the coffee shop. They're being talked about in the coffee shop. And so consequently, it's a it's a lonely area to be an entrepreneur, but also it's, you know, it's exciting or you don't sleep because you're scared shitless. But, you know, one or the other, you're not sleeping yeah. very much. Anyway. That's fine. Who needs sleep? I mean, nightmares <laughs> happen there. It can be scary shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, Rob, you wrote Food 5.0, How We Feed the Future. Can can you give us a quick synopsis of that? Um, I've heard great things. Um, I have not read it, which is horrible on me. I know as a host, I should have read it. Uh, but if you could just, just give us a quick one on that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, the book Food 5.0, How We Feed the Future, I wrote in, in 2019, and uh, the book was divided into two parts, where we came from and where we're going. Um, the opening lines of the book, by the way, Casey, uh, the first line of the book is, this morning when you woke up, did you think about a plague? And that was 2019. That was before COVID. Second line of the book is, did you think about war? And that was before Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And the third line of the book was, did you worry about famine? And so those three lines of the book, plague, 
war and famine were the first three lines penned in the book, which was 2019, way ahead of the things that we're experiencing now, which are exactly mm. those things. So again, um, these are, are not new things for human history. Human history has gone through these things before, and we lived in a very, very peaceful time. Um, and now we're perhaps not living in such a peaceful, easy time. Um, so the first part of the book really was about the eras uh, of, uh, you know, the eras of uh, muscle and machine and the era of uh, chemistry and biotechnology, those kind of where agriculture came from. And the mm -hmm. second half of the book really is around convergence. And convergence is really around the smashing together of technologies that will reshape agriculture um, right from the ground up all the way through to the uh, processing plant all the way to the consumer. And that's what I really focused on was convergence. And, you know, um, a good example of that is back in the day, a farmer could install, I don't know, a, a Trimble easy steer, auto steer device uh, on your steering wheel of your tractor. And that was one technology. Today, um, that technology never exists by itself anymore. It's always mm -hmm. intrinsically bound in with a whole bunch of other technologies. I was CEO of a robotics company, DOT, that became Raven Omnipower. And so these technologies are all just converging together so fast, whether it's LIDAR, radar, photometric sensing, um, you know, uh, GPS down to sub-centimeter accuracy, et cetera. All wow. of those things are happening and it's changing. And everybody says, well, the only constant is change. That's true. But the rate of changes is, an, is at an accelerating pace right now. And, and yeah. that's what we're going to experience going forward all the way through with AI, et cetera. Do you foresee problems with that as we think about, you know, there's a huge push right now, you know, go local, um, but then any person that understands business understands scale, like economies of scale. So where does this convergence play within the two? And how, well, how do you, you think about that? Yeah, I think you just said it. I think there's two chasms in agriculture. One, one right now is where uh, you have uh, smaller and, and perhaps more niche, uh, niche farmers that are uh, growing something for an urban market that's attached to a story. And generally, the story is disparaging on the lar against the larger commercial growers. So, um, you know, uh, organic, free range, those stories yeah. uh, command a higher uh, price from the consumer if that's what the consumer wants. But generally, they'll paint the commercial grower in a negative light. So that's one. The other area is the uh, the farms and agriculture that's adopting technology versus those farms that are not and that chasm is also growing back in the day we determined that um, the difference in the bottom line per acre between farmers using variable rate primarily fertilizer technology and those not using it was somewhere between 35 and 55 dollars an acre profit and that was a while ago. So that could be extended today. Yeah. Certainly with commodity prices, it'd be wider. So you take a 10,000 acre farm making 50 bucks more an acre. That's that's a that's a pretty big number pretty quick. Yeah, that, that's healthy. That will definitely um, help solve the, the three D's. 
Well, yeah, the, the the 3D is good good one. You know, we we talk to farmers about what are the dangers facing a farming operation, and everybody will throw out weather and markets, but realistically, there's quite a bit of risk mitigation that can be done with a variety of strategies on farm to guard against those. The the bigger dangers are really divorce and death and disability. And those are the ones that will really sink an operation if you don't safeguard against them and have some thinking in line about uh, strategically how you're going to deal with death, divorce, or uh, disability if it happens on an operation. Um, you know, and, and those are the things that I take through and we talk with our power farm group about. I have a, a peer group of 20 farms that have been running for 10 years now. And figuratively, we get naked, we share uh, financials uh, <laughs> together and do benchmarking together, which really requires a, a great deal of trust. But though that's how you that's how you move forward. And then discussing strategies around how to mitigate the dangers are are very important and all very personal because every farm is different. But mm -hmm. still, the principles are the same. You know, you still have to deal with this. Yeah, you still I mean, divorce, disability, death, they are still going to happen. No matter what the weather's doing, no matter if climate change is a thing or it's not a thing, um, if the snowpack is good or it's not, um, those th those three things, like you said, will always be constant. So, how are you? What kind of conversations are you having with those those farmers to reduce the risk or at least alleviate some of the pain points within those those three Ds? Well, let's, let's take example the discussion around. Uh, we have a, a farm. And you got mom and dad, and then you got a farming uh, daughter and her husband or son, uh, the son-in-law, and they're farming. And then you got two non-farming children, and uh, mom and dad get older, and eventually they die. So what happens to that farming operation? Is that farming operation sliced and diced and julienne fried so that the non-farming kids can have money, or is it? Is there a plan in place that takes care of that? So with AgVisor Pro, we'll talk about there's a company called 33.7 that I've used personally uh, to do something. Uh, we call it the farm liquidity solution, or you could call it the tax-free zone, where permanent life insurance is purchased, and then you leverage the death of mom and dad as an insurance against that life insurance policy. So if the premiums are... 200 or $250,000 a year, which the farm can't afford, you pay the premium to the life insurance company and then are loaned the money back, which can go back into the company as a shareholder's loan, thereby creating zero uh, cash flow encumbrance on the farm. And at the same time, upon death, the, um, um, the, uh, the loan is paid off first uh, to the company that lent the money against the premiums. And then the insurance, the permanent life insurance policy increases over time to also take care of the non-farming kids. So the non-farming kids are taken care of while the farming operation essentially covered the premiums, but was not cash impeded in doing so in a tax-free manner. These are the kind of things mm -hmm. that we talk about. And I, as a business guy, also paid attention to as well. These are important discussions. They're uh, not as complex as I may have just shared, but uh, they can be. Um, yeah. But these are the things that, uh, you know, and we, we've worked through something called a death binder. So if, if, if somebody dies, where do you, where does the surviving spouse reach? Where is ah. the, where are the passwords? Where, 
where are the files? Where, how, where are the grain contracts? Who are they with? Yeah. I mean, like, wow, you know. So, there might be a, an opportunity to to rename the binder, but but I love the yeah. the the value proposition that it brings. Yeah. <laughs> um. So with the life insurance, I I am getting more acquainted with life insurance policies. I think they can be a huge tool in in our tool belt. I think I have always had a negative stigma, and I think a lot of people have of life insurance policies. A, they make it very complicated, or they can be. Um, but the fact of the matter is, like, I think everyone just needs to take it as an opportunity to educate themselves a little bit and just have conversations and a little bit a little bit at a time and just yeah. go down that path rather than just being at this huge black box that's going to weigh you down. Well, what's going to serve the family better in the future? Is it that extra $2 million quarter of land that will be great for the farm? Or is it time to start thinking about taking that and building a $2 million or $10 million repository that will take care of the non-farming children so you don't um, so you don't carve up, slice and dice the farm upon the death of the of the mom and dad. These are really important things to consider and doing it in as tax effective manner as possible. And, and this is what this is what you know, this is what wealth creation. Uh, this is what wealthy families in other sectors have been doing for a long, long time. Um, but have ignored agriculture until recently when all of a sudden land is starting to hit. 10, 12,000 bucks an acre. And all of a yeah. sudden the farms are worth multi tens of millions of dollars. And these are the kind of discussions I think that are, are important to have. And you can't just sweep them under the carpet. You need to have these discussions. Yeah. And I think that's another, another really good point that you bring up, Rob, because having those hard conversations now is what you have to do, whether it's business or just your family like always you know the conversation that needs to happen most of the time like building a business you know what you're supposed to do you're mm -hmm. just not doing it and you're just holding it off yep well again i'm a big believer in in coaching and and running as doing a startup again i've started a brand new business again uh, from scratch with nothing but a whiteboard and it's hard and it, it's hard when you uh, break out and try to start a new part of the farming operation or bring somebody in or do a new vertical uh, in in uh, in the operation. Um, and so you need to do a lot of planning, a lot of strategizing. And at the end of the day, you need to have a lot of persistence and uh, and confidence in yourself. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the, you know, why, why start things? You don't have to have a why just you, you want to get them done because you see the value that it could create at a future path. And I think, I think a lot of people actually can't really see that value, but entrepreneurs, and I think a lot of farmers out there know what the value is and they can see it. They can see yeah. the road. Well, for sure. I mean, uh, I wanted to segue into the new company we built, AgVisor Pro, A-G-V-S-O-R-P-R-O, yeah. AgVisor Pro. And AgVisor Pro is an iOS or Android um, download on your phone. But what started out as a, as a vision to create an algorithm that would match a question to independent or company experts in those subdomain categories has increased to be a platform where companies can actually match up with people interested in those 
areas to now a full-blown ecosystem where you can join any number of regenerative drone precision ag communities all on a platform that encompasses the best of LinkedIn, the best of FaceTime, the best of, of uh, Tinder, the best of <laughs> Twitter, the, the yeah. best of, uh, of uh, um, eHarmony in terms uh -huh. of that algorithmic matching so we we built this thing from scratch and uh, been building it for over four years with a lot of investment and the reason that uh, we built it is because i believe agriculture needs somewhere to go and right now we all have habits we get up in the morning we go to x twitter we go to facebook we go to instagram we go to tiktok we go mm -hmm. to linkedin but it's a very fragmented type of attention span so if you're in the profession of agriculture whether it's beekeeping or you're interested in irrigation equipment or you're interested in broad acre or row crops or you're interested in insurance and hr issues if you want to go to one place that's dedicated to the business of agriculture that's what i wanted to build that's what we have built and that has actually morphed itself now into a product called visor ai visorpro.ai which okay. is the integration of large language models inside of agriculture as well. So these are some of the things that are going on inside my brain right now that I'm excited about working on. Oh, super cool. I hopped on to AgVisor Pro um, a few months ago, loved it. It was super easy to use. And the answers, yeah, like you said, it was exactly what you said. Um, really cool. Farmers can access that. Consulted yeah, like expert level premium. knowledge. Yeah, they, they can. Uh, I mean, we're mo moving eventually to subscription, but right now everything's free, uh, and uh, we we get our money through the companies. Rabobank just came on Agvisor Pro, which is exciting, and we've got a lot of services that are there. Like you can you can ask people to help you out with irrigation services, or um, you know, um, mental health, or. Mm -hmm. uh, any number of things that farmers need are available in the virtual marketplace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. C can you give us a little uh, down low on the visorpro.io you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. So uh, AI, artificial intelligence is hot right now. And everybody's yeah. hot, with, hot. Uh, on November 30th, of course, chat GPT opened up. But the conversations around AI have been happening uh, for a long, long time. In fact, AI, 1970s I think, in, in both books that I wrote. So what, what does that really mean? Well, in agriculture, uh, in, in AgVisor Pro, we behind the scenes, we're testing out something called the AgriBot. And the AgriBot was an AI that we were running behind the scenes to test how that AI would respond to questions coming into AgVisor Pro. And because agriculture is so disparate, because agriculture is so specific to land location and and there's like to make a phosphorus recommendation for a corn crop you have to ask uh, you have to ask 50 questions it's not very good at that it might be able to augment which i've written about augmented intelligence which i think makes a lot of makes a lot of sense but what we what we discovered casey is that when we when we put together um the ai with a finite with a finite mission, it's very good. And so what we've targeted is we've targeted the farm equipment and construction and, and forestry industries, because these industries have pressure points where, um, you know, the service and the technical people might get 150 calls a day. 
uh, during the high season. A lot of them are repeat calls. And so what we've done with visorpro.ai is we create a dealer vault. And the dealer vault is where the dealer, New Holland, Case, et cetera, Adco, they will load in their dealer manuals, plus their short line equipment manuals, plus their GPS manuals. They'll load in their technical manuals. Questions will come from the field and the uh, service people will put those questions into Visor Pro and we'll extract that answer out in as little as 15 seconds with uh, a full large language answer as to what the problem is. And we will reference the manual on the page number. So there's no fabrication here. It's all back to the manual and the page number. And then with the human in the loop, the service technician can look at that and say, yeah, that's what they say, but you should also do this. Mm. And we're capturing that you should also do this. That folds back into the dealer vault, creating value in the vault over time. And so, um, you know, we brought on Torgerson's uh, large case IH and uh, farm and construction forestry company in Montana, brought on Young's Equipment in Regina, Saskatchewan. And this week, we just brought on the largest New Holland dealership in Western Canada, Mazer Group. So, uh, and we got, we've gotten inquiries now from the recreational vehicle industry. So anywhere where you got a pinch point with technical service and that technical service is trying to access a great deal of manuals and specifications, that's where Visor Pro AI can shine. That's so cool. I mean, looking at over thousands of manuals, thousands yep. of different models and series of tractors, of combines, like you name it. So it's using using the mod of the language models, extracting that data, having a human interface on the yep. on the other end, be like, well, this is what they provided. It could work, but here are some other suggestions that we hear from the field that are also working. Yep. That's exactly it. So on one side with Visor Pro AI, we're harnessing the power of large language models and AI to provide technical support. And with AgVisor Pro, AgVisor Pro really is an ecosystem that connects the questions to human answers. And again, I don't think that the humans are going to be replaced in agriculture anytime real soon, because again, agriculture is so nuanced, depending on where you're at. So a lot of questions have to be answered, uh, depending. And so um, AgVisor Pro really is about connecting farmers and the questions to the experts that can facilitate and help and ultimately maybe even consult for the farmer. And the Visor Pro AI is really targeted towards the technical side of our industry, whether it be precision ag or equipment or, or whatever. It, I think it's a huge, like I haven't worked on the combine in a long time. My dad was just out there, should have gone out and helped him. I know, shame. Mm -hmm. um, but when you think about the future of, of ag, you're, you're building AgVisor Pro. Um, you've written books. You're, I mean, you've done a lot of stuff, Rob. What are you excited about for the future? And how can farmers think about what's going on to to shape their operation outside of what we've talked about today? I think there's some real big opportunities coming down the pipe, uh, you know, uh, with respect to all of the pressure on uh, quote unquote climate change and all of the companies and the boards of directors all forcing their executives to make uh, promises about being carbon zero companies. Um, yeah. 
there's only one industry that can really shine in, in that whole scenario, and that's agriculture. I mean, we, we produce greenhouse gases, but we, we have the opportunity to reduce and to remove tremendous amounts. So when you get to the whole era of uh, quote unquote sustainability, what does that mean and who's going to pay for it? Mm. I, I think that there possibly is, is some room for farmers to sell a story and have the consumer buy the sustainability story. But I don't think it's as big as a market as corporations having to uh, work with agriculture to provide greenhouse gas mitigation schemes. Now, everybody is quite excited about the potential of sequestration of carbon based on increases of organic matter. Mm -hmm. And the, the cowboy math says for every percent of organic matter you increase per acre, on a six inch slice, you'll pull in 20 metric tons of carbon dioxide of the atmosphere. So that's, you know, there's your cowboy math, 1% organic yeah. matter, 20 metric tons of carbon dioxide of the atmosphere. But the question around permanence and the question around, uh, the question around, uh, um, is it a contingent liability? Those are valid questions. And really, how do you measure it? A lot mm -hmm. of questions around carbon. However, reduction, do you put all your nitrogen on the fall or do you put it on the spring and split it with an in-crop application? Oh, I split my nitrogen and I put it on with a split application. You can document that. Do you use sectional control? Do you use variable rate? Do you use, uh, do you use nitrogen uh, and urease and nitrification inhibitors? You can prove that. And those are all reduction strategies that can be monetized year after year after year after year. Uh, do yeah. you capture methane uh, off your dairy operation? Uh, there are so many ideas out there. Um, at, and, and I ran, I founded a carbon credit company called AgriTrend Aggregation in 2007 that was subsequently acquired by Trimble. And uh, that company, we traded over $50 million worth of offset checks back to farmers in the province of Alberta because large final emitters were looking for ways to have the ability to buy an offset. Yep. Uh, and so we created in the province of Alberta, a registry was created that was run by the government. And it was a very, very good program for, for agriculture. And uh, now one of the programs that's trying to get lifted off the ground is called the Nitrous Oxide Emission Reduction Protocol or NERP, Nitrous Oxide Emission Reduction Protocol. In other words, how can we do, reduce nitrous oxide? And those reduction uh, credits, those reduction calculations can be performed every year. And so this show is about, you know, how do farmers generate additional passive income well, a bunch of that will come back down to data. Uh, in yeah. the years that we were running agri-trend aggregation and selling the offsets to the likes of the cement industry and the pipeline industry and the fertilizer industry, we never sold a carbon, we never sold a ton of carbon dioxide. What we sold was data. And yeah. so we have to wrap our heads around that as farmers. That's hard because uh, nobody is really excited about putting ones and zeros in columns, but that is ultimately what, what will drive um, the value uh, in this whole sustainability market. 
Yeah. And, and a lot of the big players in CPG world, they are requiring their farmers um, to have, you know, those reductions or at least plans in place to even be able to um, get get a contract with them. Well, you, you've got a lot of that going on. That's true. Um, you've got a lot of talk going on, a greenwashing going on, a lot of talk yep. going on. A lot of talk. Uh, I don't know how much rubber is meeting road. And at the end of the day, farmers pragmatically will say, show me the money. And yeah. um, the other thing that irks everybody is, uh, you know, all these companies coming out and say, we're going to show the farmer how to be sustainable when the farmer and his family has been farming for 150 years in the yeah. area. Show me a business that's been around for 150 years. I'll show you a sustainable business. So farming <laughs> yeah. is all about re, you know, learning and unlearning and relearning over the course of history. And agriculture has done a very admirable job of, of doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Rob. It's uh, It irks me for sure when people are like, oh, farms aren't sustainable nowadays. It's like, well, they want to be in business next year. So I think it's an inherent goal. <laughs> they need to be sustainable. One of, the, one of the few uh, businesses um, uh, that intrinsically or at its foundation has intergenerational transfer built into it. One of the complexities of farming is intergenerational transfer built into it, especially as the wealth numbers have increased so much. But, uh, you know, you got to work through those tools I talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, there aren't very many businesses out there that you could say are built foundationally on intergenerational transfer. And I'm talking three, four, five generations. And farming and agriculture is quite unique that way. It's also one of the yeah. things that makes it real difficult emotionally on people if they desire to make a change because, of course, family history is tied so closely to it. Exactly. But that's also the reason that I think you do power farm and you solve for the three D's divorce, disability, death to help those farms with those big hurdles. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's really great, Rob. Um, I've really appreciated your, your time today. I love this conversation. Is there one thing that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Yeah, I, I, I think that um, the changes that we're going to be forced to embrace in the next uh, several years, and, and I'm not talking here about decades, I'm talking here about, you know, two to three years, the impact of the technologies uh, such as AI on our industry um, are going to be transformational. People will say that they're going to be like earth shaking. Mm -hmm. And I think that some of that's there. So get ready for that. Um, but at the same time, there is something fundamental about getting your hands dirty, growing a crop, raising some livestock, because at the end of the day, everybody does need to eat. And uh, that is not going to go away to a Star Trek replicator anytime soon, no matter <laughs> what some companies say. So, um, but, you know, economies of scale and, and business sophistication is going to be a part of uh, farming as it as, as it gets. The one thing I, I am concerned about is the sociological impact. Fewer farms mean fewer farm families in, in rural areas. However, uh, if you look at these operations that are run by families and that are farming 15,000, 
hell, they're employing way more people. Way more people are being employed on those farms than would have ever been, you know, the family by itself. So we yeah. also have to understand that uh, just because farming is consolidating and just because it's getting bigger does not mean that there's fewer people involved in agriculture. Some of these farms are employing 10, 12, 15 people where uh, they wouldn't have taken that many family members because you just run everybody ragged. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a really good point, Rob. Um, yeah, definitely economies of scale need to become more sophisticated business-wise. Get educated on these life insurance policies that you were talking about earlier and just go for it, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, I really appreciate your time today. Um, do you have any um, links that you'd like to provide our listeners? Where, th where can they get a hold yeah, of well, you? I, and... I think I, I'd like everybody to download AgVisor Pro, A-G-V-I-S-O-R, okay. uh, P-R-O, AgVisor Pro on iOS and Android and street, download it, set up your profile. It takes about 90 seconds. And uh, then you can search my name, S-A-I-K, and connect with me on AgVisor Pro. Um, the book Food 5.0, How We Feed the Future, is an excellent book to be given into the schools uh, because what it does is it sheds a, life on, it sheds a light on the complexity of farming. And I, I think that we need more of that in the classroom. And uh, although the TEDx talk is old now, 2014, the TEDx talk is Will Agriculture Be Allowed to Feed 9 Billion People? And that talk is as germane today as it was when we, when we did the talk back, back then. Um, so AgVisor Pro, Food 5.0, uh, Rob Syke on TEDx, uh, or um, R Sake uh, on X or, or Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. We're not sure anymore. Rob, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. It, it's been a huge pleasure, sir. Hey, Casey, keep on doing what you're doing. And uh, if, uh, if some comments come back that uh, lead us to have another discussion anytime, let me know. Appreciate it, Rob. We'll talk soon. Okay, catch you later. All right, see you. Bye. And to all listeners, thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and we will see you next week. Thanks all. See ya.